Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I get to share with you an interview that I just finished recording with John Eldridge. And if you're not familiar with who John Eldridge is, I'm going to read a quick little introduction, and then you'll be able to hear from John himself when this episode starts about who he is, what he's doing, what he has done, and what he plans to do in the future, all those things. So this is what I'm reading from this point forward. John Eldridge is a best-selling author and counselor. He is also president of Wild at Heart, a ministry devoted to helping people discover the heart of God and recover their own hearts in God's love. John and his wife Stacy live near Colorado Springs, Colorado. To learn more, visit www.wildatheart.org. Okay, I'm not reading anymore. We also talk about John's new book that's coming out called Resilient, and I'll be sure to link that in the description where you can pre-order that book. Um, yeah. And then any other resources that we talk about, I'll link those in the show notes. And then there's one more thing that I want to say, and this is, this might be one of the biggest asks that I've made in a long time, but I'm going to go for it. Folks, if you enjoy this podcast, would you be so kind as to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. Last time I checked, we were right at 900, I believe, which I'm thrilled about. But Katie and I are pretty determined to get to 1,000. And so if you were able to take the time to go over there and leave a rating or a review, not only do we love reading those things and they encourage our hearts tremendously, they also help our podcast reach more people. So if you enjoy this podcast and you want more people to listen to it, then we would love it if you left a rating or a review. That's it. That's the one thing I was going to ask for. So let's let's just, let's just go ahead and get this episode started. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. All right, John Eldridge, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today to share some insights into my life and into our audience. Uh, I know you've been a huge blessing to thousands and millions of people. I know our audience has already been blessed by you so much, and so we're grateful that you're taking the time to be with us here today. I already gave a brief introduction as to who you are and what you do, but would you, in your own words, give us a little bit of like an, an elevator pitch, so to speak, on, on who you are, what you're doing, what your life looks like right now? Uh, sure. Thanks, Elisha. Um, I love God. That's probably the most important thing to know about me. Um, we have a ministry here in Colorado where we seek to heal the hearts of men and the hearts of women, uh, heal their stories, bring them into a much richer life in God and, and in his kingdom. So we do stuff like retreats and conferences. We do podcasts and films and, and uh, we, love, we love what we do. We love helping people. That's great. How long have you been in this vein? When, when did this get rolling for you? While at Heart, which was called Ransomed Heart for a number of years as an organization, I think it's 20, 20 years old, 21 years old. Wow. Uh, and before that, I got my degree uh, as a therapist. I was in private practice for a while. Yeah. Okay, great. And so did you do the private practice with the ministry simultaneously for some years there early on? Tried in the early years. It didn't work. Um, so I don't have a private client load anymore. Yeah. Uh, there's just too much going on, but it, it, it was where we cut our teeth. It was, mm. it was, it's incredible work um, to be in one-on-one listening to people's stories, helping them find healing 
has taught us so much that now we can bring it to a larger audience like today, like to bring it to a, a larger listening group of people. Yeah, that is so cool. I know it's been said in so many different ways, but I'll try to articulate the concept. And that's like, you can tell how well somebody and how deeply somebody understands a certain topic by how well they're able to bring it to the general population, you know, to articulate it to the masses. And it seems like you've been able to obviously go deep, you know, with the private practice and with your, with your studies and really touch people's lives in a deep, intimate, personal way. And then that deep understanding has allowed you to articulate it to a much larger audience. And I think that's pretty cool grateful for that. Okay. So today I really want to spend a, a, a lot of time if we could talking about your new book, which I'm really excited about called Resilient. And if I'm not mistaken, you wrote this really in response to the 2020, the pandemic. And, and in that, not, not even just from like a medical standpoint, because I think you can articulate the pandemic and what you mean by that. And that's kind of like the, the state of the world and, and where the world went during that time. And is that the truth? Is that kind of what spurred on this book? Um, a lot of it, a lot of it, it sure did. Mostly the effects of it, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, in our clients and in our constituents and at our conferences and stuff, as we talk to people, as we hear from people, what I realized is we haven't paid the psychological bill yet. Mm -hmm. This thing is going to cascade for years in terms of its effect on the human soul. So how can we help people recover? How can we help them be more resilient? How can we be in a better place for the next crazy yes. that rolls through because mm. the world's always crazy it's always offering up some new version of heartache turbulence loss you know chaos to to navigate how can we be in a better place for that that's that's what i want to offer that's, that's cool and would you you know you make that statement that's the kind of the nature of this world you know since since adam did his thing back there in the garden and sin, sin entered the world, there's been this tainted world that we've lived in. And that's, you know, I guess, shown itself in many different ways and some craziness. But you note that the recent events are kind of extra crazy. They're a little bit extra. Uh, you even use the term traumatic to, to the human heart and to the human soul. What do you think are some of the key elements that have made it that way? Okay, so let me just describe this to everybody. <clears throat> You take away someone's normal life. You bombard them with negative news and information for a long period of time. You keep them in a constant state of uncertainty and you don't know when the finish line is. Okay, so folks, that's exactly what they do to break down prisoners when they want to interrogate them. Okay, that, that is trauma. Hmm. We've, we've all just been through global trauma and it's simply kind to your soul to say that because hmm. people are wondering why am i so tired still or why isn't my brain functioning i'm continually forgetting stuff and i can't remember people's names anymore like oh yeah okay so that you know i i feel like i've got this low-grade anxiety going on well that's okay you've just been through global trauma and those are symptoms of it Hmm. You know, one of the reasons I'm really grateful to have you on is we get to hear from a lot of um, pastors and teachers and, and, and writers within that I would categorize as more within uh, Christian orthodoxy or even orthopraxy. And uh, is, what's the term? Would it be ortho, orthopathy that you would say is more the state of the heart? How are we feeling? 
How are, how are we doing? And of course, that, that matters. That, of course, what we think doctrinally matters and how we behave certainly matters. But how we feel is something that it's very easy to try to push aside and say, well, you know, my feelings don't matter, when actually they, they do matter. God cares. He speaks of our heart over and over and over again. He speaks of our affection. He speaks of our, our longing. He speaks of our soul. And so I'm so grateful that you've made a purpose, not just in, you know, recently, but as a whole part of your ministry to speak to that, to, to really, you, you've got expertise, you've got teach, you know, learn, you're learned in this area. So I'm grateful for that. Do you see when you look around in general at the ramifications of the pandemic, are there some common maybe symptoms that you, re, that you see in in the human heart, in the human soul, when you're, because you, you are in contact with a lot of people, you know, because of your ministry. And are you seeing some common themes uh, in that vein? Yeah, there are several things going on. Um, for men, there's a lot of rage. Now we could call it anger, but it's really rage. And the reason for men was that the pandemic was very emasculating. Men, do, men need to feel effective. We need to feel like we can handle our world and make a difference. And during the pandemic, you were just told to go home and sit on your hands, you know, like don't do anything. How do you help the world? By doing nothing. Yeah. And, and to, to the masculine soul, that is not okay. Like that produces a lot of anger. Well, even some of the language that was used was uh, essential or non-essential, you know, that's... <laughs> the, yes, yeah, okay. I think, and these are true for men and women, but I would say on the, on the, on the female side, actually there's been a lot more anxiety. Uh, we're seeing a, a higher incidences of, of anxiety now. And, and then, yeah, you can just go into depression, uh, um, domestic violence is up, substance abuse is up, suicides up. Um, the human race is not doing great. Um, but I want to name something else as well, Elijah, because I, I know your show would care about this. We're also seeing a lot of loss of faith. Hmm. That, and here's why. One of the things about trauma, it doesn't, it doesn't um, numb you. It sensitizes you to other trauma. So right now, in the world right now, <clears throat> I do not know a single therapist that has an opening. Everyone has long waiting lists. The New York Times has run articles on this. This is a phenomenon. Well, people, as you go through something turbulent, like we've just been through, and it's not just, it's not just COVID, okay? It was the politics. It was families. You couldn't go to Thanksgiving if you weren't you know, vaccinated. It was all that. I mean, it divided the body of Christ right down to the family level. Um, split churches, and those churches will never come back together. Those people are gone now. Okay, so that's what we've been through when we talk about the pandemic. We're talking about the whole global, you know, upset. We see a lot of people walking away from their faith now, and, and there's a profound level of disappointment with God, and this, this isn't directly tied to why weren't you there in the pandemic. This is tied to their personal stories of disappointment, of infertility, or of a mother who's, you know, died of cancer or something. But, but because the human soul is not resilient right now, that kind of loss and heartache, uh, the enemy has just come in. And, and, and so, yeah, it, we see a lot of people walking away from their faith right now, and it's really heartbreaking. That, that is heartbreaking. I mean, that's sad to hear on 
just from my hearing it from you is makes me sad. What do you think is like, what's causing that lack of resilience or in other words, what can make us resilient as Christians, as believers? Yes. Okay. So <clears throat> we came into the last two years pretty drained because modern life, the, modern life does not practice soul care, what we consider to be a normal pace of life. And if you're a young family and you've got young kids, where's your breathing room? Like, when when do you get a moment uh, uh, to recover? It's like there's no halftime. There's no orange slices. There's no, (laughs) yeah, you just never get to catch your breath. Okay, so that wears people down. But then you throw into that technology and you got to check your Instagram and your Facebook and your Twitter account and your TikTok and da 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 da. And then you got all the global news coming in. You know, the heartbreak of the rainforest and human trafficking and da 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 da. But if you want to be a responsible person, you're up to date on that. Okay, that exhausts the human soul. You can't live like that. That's absolute madness. So we came into the last couple of years pretty worn out as people. And then and then the pandemic's global chaos clobbered us. And that just really sensitizes you. You know, chronic disappointment. Uh, is a heartbreaking thing hmm. and, and and it sensitizes you to your disappointments and then we believe of course that we have an enemy in the world uh, you know first Peter 5 verse 8 and 9 be on your guard your enemy prowls around looking for someone to devour he is bringing in this sense of um, betrayal by God God you weren't there you don't care you're not you're not listening to me it's very, very um, convincing when you are beat up. Hmm. Now, do you think that we talked about the leading up to 2020 or leading up to this, the effects of the pandemic brought, it's like the tank, we are running on empty, you know, we are running on fumes when this hit, so, so to speak. But the Bible talks all the time about remembering, you're remembering the goodness of God, remembering his faithfulness. But if, People haven't been able to document or to remember the good things God has done for them. What are they? What are they referring to? And of course, we can cling to God's word and have that on our heart. But if we haven't been doing that through fellowship, through our own time in God's word, there's nothing to reference back to, and it's therefore it's very hard to have hope for the future. And so, when you're looking at people that you're hearing from, when you're listening to them, and you're seeing their stories of, of tragedy, is there a common maybe deficiency that you see in their life that has maybe led to some moments of despair that's led to this, this loss of hope? Uh, I'm not sure, Elisha. I I don't, I don't know, but what you just described was really interesting. If you don't have someone else in your life, it is reminding you of how good God has been, right? Because that's what the scriptures do right? Mm-hmm. It, it is the reminder of he has been faithful. Mm-hmm. We need people in our lives that help us remember that. And, and it's just so profound that you brought this up because I wanted to write one of these young people a letter this weekend. I wanted to remind them of all the ways that God has come through. If you don't have that voice in your life, if you don't have someone that's helping you kind of hold the bigger story, then all you have is the current moment. And if the current moment isn't good, if the current moment's disappointing or heartbreaking, that's all you got right now. You're trapped in the present moment. 
so yeah we need we need to allow our friends and our family we need to allow our church community to speak into the disappointment and remind us yes life is heartbreaking no mm. question no one no one's saying it's not life is heartbreaking but there is god and he is good and he has not abandoned us and he heals the brokenhearted. Amen. You know, something that I really appreciate in kind of in regards to that, you mentioned it a few times already in our conversation is the story that we are living our story. And whenever we appreciate a good story, it's so easy, whether that's through the form of a movie or a book or, or you're, you're listening to somebody tell a story, tragedy in the story is far more when you're listening to it, it's so much easier to endure, right? Like even though you don't might, you might not enjoy that low point in the story, you know, the payoff is coming usually based off of experience, or even if there's not a payoff there, the moral from the story is almost worth the, the tragedy within the context of our own story. And I think that's helpful to look at our life as the story that's unfolding, that God's writing, that he has written, and he's going to be faithful to perform as he's told us. Does that help you give perspective to yourself when you look at life, your own life, other people's lives through the lens of a story? Absolutely. Story is the nature of reality. Story hmm. is the, it's the reality that you live in. God is telling a story. Hmm. Life, un, life unfolds like a story, not like a math problem, not like a phone book. Life unfolds like a story. Okay. Your life is a story. And much of the answer to why am I anxious? Why am I angry? Why am I discouraged? What um, is in your story? It's back in your story. So if you can begin to put some words to things, it's very, very important. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give folks what feels like an absolutely crazy piece of advice that will rescue you in this moment. What you do is you begin to love God in your suffering not for it in it because it immediately opens your soul back up to his love because suffering is like burning your hand on the stove you pull back right it's it, everybody does you the, the instant reaction is you pull away someone hurts you you pull away right uh, and so we pull away from god the soul pulls away in suffering but if you will love him Jesus, I am so lonely, but I love you here right now. Jesus, I am so anxious, but I love you here right now. It actually opens your soul up to his presence. And then he's able to meet you there. Yeah, that's so powerful. I think probably anybody, any, especially, well, any Christian, I think can relate to going from feeling distraught to feeling uh, abandoned to feeling hopeless and without circumstances changing circumstances remaining the same you can find yourself walking in love you can find yourself walking in hope and in peace and in those fruits of the spirit simply by that simply by you talked about receiving God's love and a, and a way to open yourself up to that is by loving God and it, and it is bizarre circumstances do not need to define our level of hope or our, the health of our soul. In fact, if we let circumstances define the health of our soul and of our heart, then we are going to be in a cattywampus state much of our life. And so I love that you give so much grounded hope that's apart from circumstances. Circumstances come and go, 
but the grounding hope of God's love that is eternally, eternally past and eternally future and that fades not away and that is ours because of what Christ has accomplished, because of who God is, we can, we can access that at any point. There, there's so much hope in that, and I'm really grateful that you bring that up. You use the phrase in your book, the perfect storm has converged over the human heart. Can you kind of articulate what's behind that, that phrase? Okay. So we talked about life being traumatizing. We also have to admit something else. We have all enjoyed a comfort culture. If you have grown up, if you have been living in the developed world, anywhere in the world, in the last 15 years, you have enjoyed a level of ease and convenience that was unthinkable to the rest of the human race through human history. I mean, gang, you can buy a, you can buy a house from your phone. You, you, you can order your groceries and have them delivered to your house. You can get a car that's got air conditioning for your butt in your seat. Like, gang, we have gourmet cupcake stores now. That you, all they sell is gourmet cupcakes. Yes. You understand, if you have a culture that can sustain that sort of specialty economy, you're in a comfort culture, okay? Yes. Yeah, okay. And the comfort culture teaches you terrible lessons. It, it, it teaches you that life is easy, or it should be. It mm. teaches you that things ought to be very convenient, right? And it, it doesn't develop resilience in the soul. It doesn't develop strong souls, okay? Mm. So this perfect storm, we, you know, we've, we've been in this comfort culture. It's like never exercising. And, and then a storm hits, like the pandemic, and now you got to run a marathon. And you're like, I've never run in my life, you know, in the analogy. Yes. It's like that. It, it's the human soul has been softened by a comfort culture. And, and we're rather shocked when hard things happen now. When things are inconvenient, honestly, when it takes your email more than three seconds to load, you're mad. Mm. And you're like, oh, wow, people like, like that, that is a very, very, very small problem. You know, it, 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 it distorts our understanding that suffering has been a part of the human experience and hardship. Now I'm not, I'm moving away from trauma. Just hardship actually is good for the soul, not trauma, not betrayal, but just hardship, just difficulty, just learning how to navigate life, you know, a crying child and sleepless nights. How do we navigate that? How do we figure this out? That's actually, that develops maturity. Hmm. Maturity allows us not to be thrown when things get hard. That's so good. And, and we went through basically a pretty big chunk of human history, not experiencing very much of that hardship, not experiencing the opportunity to flex those muscles, so to speak, or to build up the endurance using the analogy of the runner. And then we were thrown straight into, you know, we were, there you go, the, the race was started, you know, finish the, finish the marathon. And as a result, that hit us hard. But, you know, you talk about in your book, not only kind of recovering and healing from the effects of these couple of years, but you also talk about the need for preparation for the future. Now, so do, do we not get to celebrate? Do we not get to say, well, yeah, sure, that was hard, but hey, we're back to ease, we're back to comfort. And so what worked before will work again. How, wh how do you view that going forward? <laughs> well, <laughs> gang, um, 
so there's a war in Eastern Europe right now. Okay, and the economy is experiencing a level of inflation we haven't seen in decades. Like, yes, I think we are finally getting past the COVID-19 pandemic. I think we're finally getting past that. The, the virus as it's mutating appears to be weakening. <clears throat> but gang, life's always been bumpy. And, and the comfort culture teaches you, you can just get back to a world where everything's easy again. And we wanna say there's a different life that Christ calls us to. So Christ calls us to, and here's the good news, everybody. This isn't, this isn't the resilience, the book, the conversation. This isn't suck it up. Um, the beautiful thing about Christian um, resilience is that it is the life of God flowing in you you are Amen. a branch he is the vine you get to receive the resilience of jesus you get to receive the resilience of god this is that phenomenal prayer in ephesians 3 where paul says i pray that god himself the creator of heaven and earth would strengthen you in your inmost being by his spirit dwelling within you. It's a resilience that is given to you. It's breathed into you. It's imparted into you. That is wonderful news. Amen. Yes. Okay. So the silver lining of all this is everyone feels like, wow, I could really use a greater level of resilience. Christianity is holding out its hand and saying, guess what? God would love to impart to you his resilience. What we do is take up those practices that put us in a position to receive it. He wants to strengthen you, dear ones. Mm. Amen. You know, I know, speaking for myself, it is so easy for me to believe and wholeheartedly accept that my positional righteousness before God is only because of what Christ has done for me, right? I say, oh, I know myself. And I think a lot of people can attest to that within the Christian community. Yes, that's where my righteousness is found. But something about me, something about being a man, then says, but this life that I now live, I'm going to live by my strength. I'm going to live by my intuition. I'm going to live by my insight. And that's the opposite. Once again, he says, as ye have learned Christ, so walk ye in him. You know, how did we come to faith? It was acknowledging everything that he accomplished on the cross and that same faith, the same, I mean, we here, you know, the time that we're recording this, we just celebrated Easter and Jesus Christ is alive and he's working in us and through us. And it's by his power and his power alone that we will be able to walk in anything resembling fruitfulness. And that's from the vine, like you talked about. So I'm so grateful that you acknowledge that and you bring it into very, I guess, uh, you know, practical terms here in this day, that, day and age, 2022, that, that we are living in, which actually brings me to the question that I've been looking forward to ask this whole, and this is like, literally, if there is ever a billion dollar question, this is the question. And, and you, yeah, there it is. And you talk about it in your book and that is, you know, you, you write with a sense of urgency in this book. And the question is, do you, do you believe that we are living in the last hours of this age? Yeah. 
because you said earlier, it's not a normal time, it's an extraordinary time. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The comfort culture, the pandemic, the global trauma, you know, <clears throat> your great, great grandparents did not know what the tragedy of the world, but you get it delivered to your phone every day. Mm. Okay, so this is a very extraordinary time. But um, people get really weird when you start talking about the possibility and the hope of the return of Jesus. And I don't get it because the fact is that is the Christian hope. Well, the Christian hope is not that you're going to get a great deal on your mortgage, folks. <laughs> the, the Christian hope is not that you're going to finish your PhD. The Christian hope is the return of Jesus to set things right. Amen. Yes, to heal the world, right? To ransom the human race, to restore you as, as the person you were meant to be, to bring in the joy, okay? So here's what he says. He says, the gospel is going to reach all nations. This is Matthew 24. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations. And then I'll come back. Okay. So I just want to give some data. I'm not projecting dates. I'm not just don't freak out people. I just want to give you some data. The Bible will be translated into every language on the planet by 2033. That's about 10 years from now, folks. Okay. Every language. The gospel will have reached every language. Prior to that, the gospel will have been brought to every people group on the earth, okay? They've just been effective in figuring out where the unreached peoples are, and they're, you know, they're going there. So we're in the moment where that particular sign that Jesus gave us is about to be accomplished. Now, do I think that in 2033, boink, you know, suddenly it's Christmas Day for the world? I don't know. But what I want to point out is the hope that is the anchor of the soul, Hebrews 6, 19, we have a hope that is the anchor of the soul, is the return of our Jesus. That's what we have set our sights on. And if you read the scriptures, that's what Paul has his sights set on. That's what Peter has his sights set on. That's what Mary had her sights set on. Like, this is it, gang. This is like, it's pretty central to the Christian faith. And we are living in the in the sweep towards it. So even if you think, well, you know, maybe, maybe my kids' generation, maybe my grandchildren, in terms of human history, that's a breath away. That's nothing. That's a few moments. Hmm. We are in that trying time. Okay, so let me give you another example of this. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul warns, he says, yeah, before Jesus comes to set everything right, there's going to be a great falling away from the faith, the great apostasia, okay? We're seeing it, that the number of beautiful, solid, mature believers that are walking away from Jesus is just heartbreaking right now. I think we're witnessing that moment. And so if, all I want to say is this, wouldn't you want to strengthen your hearts <laughs> With, wouldn't you want to get close to God? 
Yes. Yes. Wouldn't you want a deeper level of resilience to live through an hour like that? Heavens. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well then let's get serious about that. Hmm. I'll say yes. Amen to all those things. And, and yet you talked about people getting squirmy when this, when this happens, when, when this topic gets brought up, there's, it's, it's like, you don't, don't bring that up at the dinner party. You know, it's like people would rather talk about politics almost, you know, than that. And do you think that comes from there being just what, actually I should just ask, why do you, why do you think that is? Cause the way you just talked about it gets me pumped. I'm like, that sounds freaking awesome. We're told in, in Psalm 16 that in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy at his right hand are blessings forevermore. Do you want that? Like, do you want that union to, to now be made? And you, and I, I do, but what, what do you think it is within the human heart that almost runs from that idea? Yeah, there's two, there's two main reasons I've found as I've talked to people about this. One is the crackpots. Okay, it, you know, it, it's the dude standing on the corner with a cardboard sign. Hmm. It, it, it's just, it's the pastor with the, you know, bright blue hair that's shouting, you know, about the return of Jesus. It's the nut jobs, hmm. right? And you just go, oh, I don't want that. I don't want to be a, so, so I think people just kind of push away from that. It sounds goofy. It sounds out there. It's like, oh, who really knows? You know, so part of it is that. But I think you're right to name the human heart. There's something in us. This is madness, Elisha, but I think people associate the return of Jesus with loss. Interesting. Okay, follow me. Oh, but but not till I get married. Oh, not 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 till our kids graduate high school. Yeah. Oh, not, you know. My, my dad, my mom and dad are about to have their 50th. Not, not till that. We've got such a, a beautiful uh, summer planned. It, it's, it, we, we think that when Jesus returns, some sort of huge global bait and switch happens hmm. where the life that you want is taken from you and some new weird life is given to you that you don't really understand and therefore you don't really want. Wow. Okay, so let, let me blow people's minds here for a minute. <clears throat> All of the miracles of Jesus are meant to be illustrations for one sermon. Jesus is giving one sermon, and the sermon is the coming of the kingdom of God. Okay, so the blind see, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. It is all restoration. Okay, it's all restoration the great renewal. In Matthew 19, <clears throat> uh, Peter asked Jesus a question. He says, what is this we're supposed to be hoping for? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that the renewal of all things, the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his throne, he gets really specific. He says, if you have lost family or property or houses, it's all coming back. God doesn't destroy the current universe like the Death Star, and we all get airlifted to the eternal church service in the sky. That is not Christian hope, okay? When John sees the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, he hears God say, I'm making everything new. He doesn't say I'm making all new things. Hmm. You, you don't become an angel and go strum a harp somewhere in the clouds. 
so the climax of this message is Easter morning. Jesus walks out of the grave. It's still Jesus. Hmm. Same personality. Yes. Same guy. Same friends. Okay. And a few weeks later, he's having a barbecue on the beach with his pals, right? In John 21. It, in other words, Jesus is demonstrating the restoration of the world that God loves and cares for, including your humanity. Hmm. So again, you're not going to lose anything at the coming of Jesus, for heaven's sake. Amen. You know, in hearing you talk about this, not only does it get me really excited to think about basically everything I look forward to here in this life that I now live, I get to look forward to only on a on a hundred X, a thousand X level, you know, because it's going to be perfect. New bodies, you know, the lion and the lamb are going to be laying with each other. There's going to be everything that we love only with perfect, not tainted by sin in the presence of of Jesus with him in relationship, perfect relationship. And it reminds me actually that one of the more impactful books of my for my wife and I over the last couple of years has been a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And as you're talking, I was reminded he quotes you a number of times in that book. Because I'm saying, boy, I've heard this before. And it's because Randy Alcorn refers to references you many times in that book. And that's been a tremendous blessing to us in really visualizing what we actually do get to look forward to, because I know for a fact, especially prior to reading that book, the idea of some ethereal existence that was totally separate from my physical experience here on earth was really hard to get excited about. You know, if you cannot visualize something, it's really hard to make a game plan for it. You know, it's the classic line, like if you don't know what you're aiming at, you'll hit it, you know, 100% of the time. And and I think that's how it is when we, when for me anyways, when I would think of heaven, when I think of the return of Christ, I think, well, what does that even look like? And what you just articulated is exactly what we're told in the Bible. We can count on it. And it actually is really exciting. Yes. God that. is going to do for the world what he did for Jesus on Easter morning. Hmm. Okay. Wow restoration that is incredibly hopeful your chronic pain will be gone your relationships restored you'll be with jesus with your father come on of course it starts with a party right the wedding feast of course it like you have to have a party to celebrate that kind of joy yes i love that wow that that makes me so excited i'm so glad you shared shared on that. And I'm glad that you gave us a definitive date to look forward to for this. What can you, I need to write that down, right? What is it? 2033? No, I'm joking. Okay. You know, in closing, there's a couple things that, you know, I want, I want listeners to be able to know where, where to find you, but if there was, because our audience in general is young families, you know, people that are in, they've got young children, they're raising kiddos. When you see people in that stage, that season of life as a whole, is there something that you kind of wish you could just tell them? You know, you think, boy, if I had a an arena full of, you know, people that are raising young families that are in the trenches, changing diapers, you know, doing doing schooling with the kiddos, trying to have a romantic marriage in the midst of all those things and and have Christian fellowship, you know, is there a statement that you wish you could tell those people? I want, I want to offer them two things. The first I want to offer is, gang, it's just a season. I know the days feel like forever right now, but it's just a season. 
and you will get out of the madness and into a more stable rhythm. You really will. It's coming. It's coming. The other thing I would say is the prayer that I found myself praying was Jesus in me, help me with this. So whatever it is that the sleepless night, the crying child, the difficult marriage that Christ lives in you now. Christ lives in you. That's what Paul says. This is the secret of the gospel. Christ hmm. in you. Okay. Well. And so lean into it. Lean into it. I pray Jesus in me. Help me with this conversation. Jesus in me. Help us talk to the school today. Jesus in me. Help me in the madness. Give me your strength. Give me your hope. Give me joy, Lord. He is in you hmm. and wants to provide you with the resilience that you need. Wow. That is so hopeful. And it actually, it, it gives you excitement, not excitement because I mean, I don't like sleepless nights. I don't like, you know, I, 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 I can honestly say as much as I love my kids, I don't, I don't like poopy diapers, you know, and I never have, I don't like changing them, but you talked about how we actually get to be with Jesus in each one of those moments. He is in us. He is walking. He, he is our life breath. When Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall appear with him in glory. You know, we're told that, I think, in Colossians, he is our lifeline. He is our literal life. And we, we get to be with him in all those moments. And I love that you that you say that because those tasks are so easy to check off as being menial or just get through these. Or they're just, they're, they're, once you're done, just move on. And that's all you get from them is a, is a clean diaper. No, you can, you can, there can be so much more than just changing a diaper or just having, you know, a sleepless night, cleaning up, throw up in your kid's room. I love that. All right, John, I know I have been so blessed by numerous of your resources at, um, you, you guys changed the name, but at wildatheart.org now. Yeah. Cause it was recently ransomed heart. Correct. Um, where is that the best place for people to go find you? Are there some, I mean, you've got this book that's coming out, which I'm really excited about and people can pre-order it now, I believe, but it's not coming out until I think July. Is that correct? June. Okay. June, but people can pre-order that now, which I'm really excited about. What else can people look forward to from you or what can they find on, you know, on wildatheart.org? If you come to our website, there are free videos on the main page there. We give away most of our stuff. Mm. Uh, those videos will be such an encouragement to your soul. Really, there's a Wild at Heart series for men. There's a Captivating series for women. They're beautifully done and they're free. Yes. So come watch our stuff. I will say I'm blown away with the high quality that you guys offer for free. Th these aren't just, you know, shaky iPhone videos that you get to watch, which of course your content's good enough so that that would be value in and of itself. But these are beautifully produced videos great quality. And I'm so grateful. You guys do so much of this for free. Like so much of what you guys do is free to the public. And that's just a huge blessing. Um, so I, I really do hope our listeners take advantage of that. Are you guys, do you, do you guys do any events in the coming year? I know things probably got thrown out of whack a little bit with, with 2020, but do you guys have stuff back on the calendar? Yep. We are recovering our live events. So you can get on our, our site and click on the events page and see what's going on for men and women. Yeah. Love it. That's really exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for just being with us today and, and giving us some of your time and your insight. Uh, yeah. I'm really, really excited for all that you have to offer and share. Thanks, and I know Elisha. That, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. It's been my pleasure. Cool. Thank you again. Bye-bye.